What if there was a way to hack your brain? To figure out why you're not taking the action you know you need to, and why the action you are taking isn't working? Well, there is. And this podcast is designed to show you how to do that, to see your mind, to coach yourself, and ultimately to create the life and business of your wildest dreams without the hustle or the stress. I'm your host, Elizabeth Salazar. Let's dig in. Hello there. Welcome back. I hope you had an amazing Labor Day weekend. Our family did. We did a family trip to, we took my dad and went with my brother and my family. And we went up to these islands off of uh, Ohio in Lake Erie. And we rented this house that we, we found on the, the VRBO website. And just because it was available, basically, I was like, what's available two weeks before Labor Day? And it was just like a hidden gem. Like we didn't even realize how fantastic it was until we got there. And it was just such a nice weekend. It was very relaxing and beautiful. I felt like I was on the ocean. I mean, we get to watch the sunrise every morning and it was really nice. And I wasn't on Facebook and it was just like, oh, this feels good. So I hope you had a good weekend as well. Today's episode is a study of success. Now, I love studying success. As many books exist that study success, I want to read them because I love everybody's take on what success means. And so today's episode, I've brought on my client, Jill Griffin. She has been a member of my mastermind, the Consistent Business Builder Mastermind for the last four months, and her business has done fantastic she actually doesn't want to share the numbers. So it, this isn't going to be a podcast where you're, you get to hear the number and be in awe. So you're just going to have to believe us that it's, it's all worthy, <laughs> if that's even a thing, right? But here's what I want you to listen to as you listen to today's episode. I want you to hear how she thinks differently than you think. Because while we talk about her creating this money in the last four months. I want you to think about that like a farmer who, who spent all the time investing in his fields and plowing them and getting the seeds ready and, you know, watering it and weeding it and, you know, right, taking care of it all of those months. And then saying, oh yeah, he just goes out and picks food, right? Like, no, that is not what happens with a farmer and that's not what happens in our business. And so when you hear somebody's success, it's easy to think that they just created that, right? They just clicked their fingers and they created that amazing success in four months. But that's not what happens. And so when you're listening to this episode, I want you to listen for how she's been learning mindset for 10 years, how she was her first study of mindset and how her own mind was blown at what was possible, how because she did this work on herself first and she felt the impact of it, she then went out and did it for free in her corporate career. And then 10 years later was like, "Mm, I want to start something, right? That, that phase of indecision starting. And then when she was ready to start her coaching business, she had her own consulting business behind her that she had like built the skill in, right? Of spending money on herself and trusting herself, all the stuff it takes to be successful. And so I want you to listen to this episode and hear the foundation that she has built for her business, because that's what it takes. It takes changing how we think about money, spending money, using money, having money. It takes building a sense of trust in ourselves that we will get where we're going. It takes having a vision of where you're going And it takes a willingness to fail, right? An unattachment to how, to to it working in a certain way and knowing that it's probably gonna fail. And so I can't wait to share all of this with you. And I wanted to give you that kind of, that preemptive, here's how to listen, 
because Jill is brilliant and she's going to share with you how she thinks in this. And it was such a great conversation that you then get to listen in on. So let's jump over and dig in. Jill, why don't we just start by you telling everybody a little bit about you and your story? Sure. Um, thanks, Elizabeth. So, hey, everyone. I am Jill Griffin. I am a career and performance coach. I have spent my bulk of my career in corporate America, but always coaching people. And I've been thinking about doing this for a long time. I was certified 10 years ago as a coach, and I would do it in the nooks and crannies of my day and in my life, but I wasn't coaching full-time until recently. And uh, we'll get into the rest of the story as we talk here, but that's sort of my path so far. Yeah. And so what, I mean, you got interested in coaching 10 years ago. You've been doing it. What was the catalyst for deciding to do it on your own? Um, it was sort of the seed inside me or the song inside me that wouldn't stop. And I got so much joy from working with teams and the people on my team and um, clients and even private clients. But again, it wasn't at scale. And I just felt this need to like inspire others to what's possible and to be able to do it full time. And it just kept growing and growing. And then eventually, um, you know, the way things played out, I consult and was coaching and then COVID, wah, wah, right? So basically here we are and it was like, okay, so I guess this is the gift from the universe. We're doing it. We're going full on. And here we are. How did you come into this idea of mindset? Um, so really quickly, just as my career started to take off, um, that trajectory growing, getting promoted, doing better, I was involved in an, um, an accident revolving in head trauma. So I basically had a traumatic brain injury. And what was happening is I couldn't decipher between normal nuances of like politics and office place things that go on and what like what was happening because of the head injury, right? Losing memory, losing vocabulary, like not able to clearly think about things. And I just decided that um, it was unacceptable to live this way. Like I was going to do everything I possibly could to figure this out. And Western medicine took me very far and it was an amazing gift, but I knew I had to complete the back end. So I went in through nutrition, realizing that certain things were impacting my brain and my ability to think. And I actually became a health coach because I wanted the nutrition part, but I learned the coaching. So it was my first um, take on cognitive behavior, positive psychology. Oh, this could be a thing. And then suddenly my career took off. So once I started then applying what I learned as a coach, which I wasn't planning on being a coach at that point, to myself and then being like, holy moly, this stuff works. <laughs> and then, you know, continued in corporate, but you know, my supervisors, the people I work with, they love the fact that I was a coach because it was like, who, what better than to motivate the team and get things done. And, you know, that's sort of the trajectory of what happened. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I think it's interesting to hear how different people come to this because, I mean, I was really skeptical. I mean, the only reason I was willing to try mindset was because I was like, okay, all the strategy and action isn't working. I'll try that weird thing over there. Right. So right. I love how everybody's approach to it comes just a little bit differently. Yeah. And it was also the only thing that seemed to calm me, right? Mm. Like I, I at times felt like a duck on water, like very gracefully you couldn't see, but underneath it was like, like you're like really working fast and doing mindset work, also doing meditation work was really one of the first things that really helped go like, okay, now I can think. Um, and, and then the tools of coaching really then saying, okay, so what do I want to think? How do I want to approach this? Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that. I, I think that's one of the best gifts is like that ability to be calm when you didn't even know that was an option. Like what? Right. I didn't know I was in chaos. Right. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So tell everybody about the growth of your coaching business. Cause I love the, I love the, the, like the pre-framing of it because you've been thinking about mindset and applying the tools to yourself for 10 years. You've been practicing the tool of coaching. And I have this theory that the people who create, it looks like overnight success really have such a deep foundation. And sometimes it's just a few things that need tweaked. And that's what I love about mindset is that when we bring it in and we make those few tweaks, it makes such a huge difference. So share with them about your business growth 
you know, where you were at last year, what you're doing this year, just whatever you feel comfortable sharing. Sure. Um, so it kind of makes me giggle, but not from a place of surprise, of a place of knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically in the last four months alone, my revenue has increased 97% over 2019. And that was all made in the last four months, right? So there was some trickle earlier in the year. That's the 3% remaining, right? But since starting your mastermind and doing the work with you, I'm at 97% revenue year over year, which, you know, in four months time is, um, again, it's, it's like, it's, it's holding two sides of it. In some ways you're like, wow. And in other ways it's like, but of course, because of the mindset work. What's been the difference between you making gobs of cash and you not in your coaching business? <laughs> um, well, first it started with, I borrowed your belief, right? Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is I was following your content. I was seeing when you would do, um, you know, IG video or anything like that. And I was watching it and I was like, wow, her belief is so strong and I need to borrow someone's belief until I can create it for myself. So that was super powerful for me. Um, and why I knew I wanted to work with you and your program. Um, as far as like, hold on, wait, let's stop there. When you say borrow my belief, what did you think I believed that you wanted to believe, but just maybe didn't yet? There was just such a ease it wasn't graspy. It was just an inner knowing where I was like, what is that woman doing? Like there just was something where it, you know, sometimes you see people trying to promote their business in some way. And it feels like you want to go take a shower. Like it just feels a little bit like gross, but you just came from this, like, you're like a cashmere blanket, like this, like nice place of like, this is possible. And for someone who like, if you can't tell, I'm a New Yorker, right? So for someone who is high energy, you know, type A, always at it, like I wanted to borrow someone's belief who was like consistent and calm and like, here's how you do it. And I'm going to show you how. Yeah. Because what were you believing? Like, because the belief you wanted to have was I can be calm and I can be consistent, it sounds like. But what were you believing otherwise? What was easier to believe than that? I think because of the industry I, I've worked in professionally, um, you know, the velocity of change and the velocity of business, I come out of advertising agencies and corporate marketing. And that speed of change is frenetic. It's fun. It's hilarious. It's stressful, but that's the way it works. So that constant, like, you know, I'm a shark and if I'm not moving, I'm going to be dead. Like I have to keep moving. So that coming in with sort of that really charged frenetic energy was amazing when it was amazing. And I was also just shifting into a place where, you know, I throw grace and excellence at that experience, but now I wanted a different experience and I wanted to see if there was a way of creating a business that didn't require me to be running at a burn rate that was unsustainable. Mm, yeah. So what I hear you saying is you were looking for that thing that would allow you to scale sustainably. Yes. And what you knew was that being at a high energy rate wouldn't let you do it. Right. And bringing it when I need to, bringing it yeah. for a presentation or a client meeting is great. But staying at that, you know, that level, it's like I always joke, it's like adrenals are meant for running out of burning buildings, not for marketing plans and not for coaching. So I needed to find a way to like bring it all down and find a way that it can consistently build. And I think there's a lot of mainstream thought that if, if you're not hustling, like sleep when you die, right? If you're not hustling to a level, I'm not saying I'm not working, I'm working, but I'm not hustling. It's not the same feeling. Like when I end my day, I feel complete, I feel in appreciation, and I'm excited for tomorrow. I no longer have the Sunday scaries. I'm not in the like, oh my God, what's the week going to bring, right? It's a complete different shift when you bring in the calm and the consistency. Yeah. What else has changed? I mean, I, I kind of ended you <laughs> the like, let's stop at the calm <laughs> part, but what else is different in these four months versus what you were doing before, how you were approaching building a business? Um, I think what, well, one of the things that's different is when you're in a, when you're a marketer, who's done well marketing for other people, marketing for yourself makes you want to vomit. Right. So I've 
been fortunate enough to work on the world's most well-known brands, things that are in your cabinets, things that are you're using in your house, right? So those kinds of brands, working on them, but again, it's very different to market that can of soda or that, you know, that automobile than to turn it on yourself. So one, I had to do some mindset of being the value that someone offered. And that's so, that was so weird for me because again, you're not in front. You're the, you're the magician behind the scenes making it all happen. So that was the first thing that was, that was different. And to know that I can do it from a level again of like being calm and being authentic and not, um, not trying to like borrow from all the other things that you're seeing out there of like, oh, I should do that or do this. But like, what would Jill do? Who's Jill and how does she want to bring that forward? So that was one of the things that was different. It was like completely rethinking um, a way of doing business. The other thing was consistency where, um, again, I think when you start think about building a business. And when I think about building even my consulting business, right? I left corporate three years ago. Building my consulting business was a hustle and a grind and like calling and showing up and pitching proposals and doing a boatload of work for free and hoping that they would buy. And look, when it hit, it hit big and it hit lucrative, but you're doing so much work that you don't necessarily know if the value is landing because again, the way a lot of that industry works is thanks so much. We'll get back to you, right? So you don't actually know. Whereas this consistency of like getting almost real-time feedback of, you know, you're on a consult with a, a potential client and having them get feedback and learning how to modulate, right? Like what worked, what didn't, what would I do differently? How do I want to think about this? And then honoring what did work more than what didn't work, right? Because again, when you're trained as a corporate marketer, you are trained as finding the bug in the machine right? It's the reason why like websites and, you know, the apps that you have, there's always a new update, right? Because they're always updating what was wrong and what improvements are there, right? It's not about honoring what is working. It's always finding the fly in the ointment, so to speak. And that was also something totally new that, um, that you taught me is like, look for the good where again, when you're working on large tech clients, you're you're often looking for like, well, what didn't work so we can improve it, right? Again, it's a completely different switch that like just kind of makes me like laugh now. It's like, wow, there's another way of like, let's, yeah, we need to look at what we could do better, but let's honor and look at what did work so that we can like more of that, please. Yes, please. Like in that space. Um, and then I think also consistency for examining my thoughts every day. So as someone who's meditated for 25 years, meditation obviously has been an amazing gift to me, but that's also about letting go of thoughts, not really sitting with them, um, at least from my experience. So sitting and understanding that that thought, it's like that think, feel, act, like that thought creates that feeling that creates that action, and then what's the result? So this idea that, oh, I can think in advance, how would I like this day to go? How would I like this you know, client meeting to go, how would I like this call to go and then create it from a sense of purpose um, versus feeling previously like, I don't really know what's going to happen. I'm just going to put it out there and see. Whereas now everything just feels like it's just slower, but it's not slower because it's not working. It's slower because there's like an ease. Yeah. And I mean, what I hear you saying is that that sense of control because that's one of the things I hear so many people talk about, much like you said, like, I'm just going to put it out there and I'm going to see what works. Or, I mean, I'm going to do all this stuff because I don't know what's going to work. But when we know where to look, when we know how to control what we're thinking, we know how do we go in and examine it. It's like, there is this sense of control. And I mean, for you, you've studied this stuff for a long time, but being a hard worker, how is it different diverting your attention to doing the work on your mind versus going out and doing something that, you know, society might label productive, like creating a post or doing a video or sending an email. Right. right. No, that's a great question. Um, so in the beginning, that's really where I had to borrow your belief, right? Cause I was like, I don't know, you know, I've won tons of awards and industry recognition from doing it my way. Right. So it was like a complete shift of like, well, something's working right, so let me try this. And, um, and for me, like one, examining my thoughts 
every day, super important. Also honoring my objections, right? Like it's not going to work. I don't know what to do. Uh, I'm nervous. I'm scared. Like honoring those objections and then um, giving them what I call blanky thoughts, like little comforts, right? So each objection, talking to myself in the nicest way possible to each objection um, and really just like let the mind do its thing, let the mind get soothed. And then when it's not in panic, it actually can find solutions. And that was something where I think I knew, you know, somewhere out there in the ether, but I never knew it. Like, I feel like now it's in my DNA. Like I know it. Whereas before it was like in a textbook that you could read. Um, And that's probably one of the, um, the difference and reminding myself, like, what are the thoughts that I want to have? Also, you know, the work that you showed us is like feelings as fuel, like the concept that I can tap into an experience I had previously in life that brought joy and inspiration and love and beauty and tap into that. And I can feel it all conjured up and then use that to go produce or that to go start my day with a client or write content is just like, I mean, talk about trajectory. That was like, choom. <laughs> like it just changed everything. Yeah. What were, like before you knew that you could use any emotion you wanted, what emotions did you use just on default or what, what, which ones were just there with you? Um, I think I ran, I ran on um, stress, anxiety, and then probably inspiration. Like inspiration has always been a thread. Um, but would get dampened by, again, the, the stress, the anxiety, um, the confusion, um, like a sense of, of overwhelm of even like, I don't know who to listen to because there's so many voices. So which one do I listen to? And just in doing this work, like I make the analogy to a cookbook. I have cookbooks where I only use like one recipe out of it, but I love the cookbook and that becomes in my repertoire. So how do I take what I like and leave the rest? And there's so many brilliant people out there, but that's their how. That's how it worked for them. So there are pearls that I could borrow, but it doesn't mean that every aspect of that's going to work for me. And that came from a sense of doing this thought work and an inner sense of knowing of like, Jill, you are the expert. You know what to do for your business. I don't know what to do for someone else's business per se, but I know what to do for my business. And that also is like super new and like, who, who am I? What's, what's going on here? Yeah. I love that example of the cookbook because you're right. Sometimes there's just that one thing that we're taking from somebody's, like I heard Russell Brunson in one of his books, he talks about how like trainings are there to break people's beliefs down that don't serve them and rebuild it. And I'm just like that one thing. I'm like, brilliant. That's all I need. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And it creates such a sense of constraint and simplicity when you're not trying to look at all the cookbooks to make the same recipe. Right. Or who's got the best one or which one should I do? And like, it just becomes really, it, it, I, I, it's just simple. Like it's, it just becomes a level of ease that I, honestly never thought was possible. Yeah. And when I think about the stuff that I create, it comes with that idea that I don't have to tell somebody what to do. I don't have to give them a process because what I know about my people is they already have 25 processes and they know what to do. How, I mean, some people I think question that though. Like, do I have a process? Do I know what to do? I mean, did you always just know I knew what to do? And then adding the mindset was like that missing piece? Or did you Um, think you needed a process? No, I think, I mean, I I think it's both, right? Like I definitely have thoughts and ideas that would lead to process. But I think also um, it was like a little inside baseball, meaning that if you didn't, if you weren't on the journey in my brain, it might be confusing. And then if I'm going to help a client who's not a trained coach and hasn't been wallowing in mindset and beliefs for this many years, like, are they going to be frustrated or is it going to be effective? So really rethinking things. And again, just getting to a level of, of 
simplicity, but at the same time, increasing like paradox tolerance, like increasing that I could have two thoughts that are completely opposing, but both be true. Hmm. And then choosing based on the project or, oh, I want to create this, um, I want to create this uh, worksheet or this work stream for my clients so that they can get the benefits they need, deciding which to lean into, right? So both thoughts could be true, but depending on what I want to create, which one do I want to lean into more? And accepting that that doesn't make me wrong. It just yeah. means it's one way to do it. And yeah. if I don't like it, choose another way. And I want to I wanna rewind back to something you said, which was, it was, it was almost like a moment between like, but I'm really brilliant. I know what I'm doing and maybe I'll try this thing that she's saying I should do, even though I'm not quite so sure maybe. Tell me about that, that step in between there. Because I think that's so true, right? Like my clients are really brilliant. They have a lot of expertise, a lot of background. And there is that like going into the unknown of the kind of work we do. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it was really just the, the beliefs of like, what do I have to lose? Like if I'm wrong, oh, well, you know, I, it, then I'm wrong. But since I've been toying around with this concept for 10 years and never took the leap, made the full decision, right? So it was a thought, not a decision, right? Never made that decision. So if I'm going to make a decision, I'm going all in. I'm going to make sure that, um, you know, in the mastermind, the suggestions, the, the, the work you, you give us, the things you tell us to do, like, it just would be silly for me from an, um, like a time investment standpoint to not try everything. So I think I'm just like a pretty insatiably curious person, you know, easily can read two or three books a week. Like just that I just am curious that way. Um, child free. So it also makes it easier too. <laughs> um, that, um, you know, it, it just, it kind of became fun. Like, it's like, this is fun. This is a game. And this is not a, a moral judgment on myself if it doesn't work. So I'll yeah. do it a different way. And I think that unattachment to it, because I think some people come into this work and they're like, no, no, this should work. I should be really good at this. Um, I have to make it work. And it sounds like you're just like, no, this is just fun and light and I'm going to try it and I'm going to do it and I'm going to be full in on it. Right. And that makes a difference. Yeah. And also um, not that I'm predicting failure, but I'm also comfortable that my I've never done this before, right? So my first shot out of the gate, my first way of approaching it, I'm preparing myself that it's okay that this may not be the right way versus I think in my previous corporate life, like failure tolerance is not there, right? There, it's, just, it's just not because you're working with other, other people's money. So it, it ends up sometimes stifling innovation and moving forward because you're, you're afraid. You don't want to make that mistake. Um, there's so much at risk. Whereas being an entrepreneur, it doesn't mean there's not a risk, but the risk is all mine. So in that, I knew that no one's getting hurt, right? I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not having a dissatisfied client on the other end if I take a risk and it doesn't work. Um, and trust me, I took plenty of risks corporately. <laughs> I mean, I ran innovation. It definitely was taking risks, but um, it's just, you know, you want to you wanna be in a space where um, there's no barriers. There's no bound. It's your, your mind becomes your swim lane. So I want the biggest freaking swim lane I can be in to, the, to be able to play. And then, yeah, I'm going to mess up, but it's all right. Yeah, I love that. Especially because when we see that our mind is the only barrier – that gets to be what we just are relentlessly growing and pushing and expanding and playing with. Like, how do I expand what I believe even more? Yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. Um, and I think that this, this quality that you mentioned here, I, I noticed it even in that initial, like when you were joining the mastermind and we were having a conversation, you know, I, I noted those things about you then, which was like, I think you said something like, um, 
yeah, I mean, it's money, but I can just always make more. And like, <laughs> even now, like you have this sense of just like, I'm willing to take the risk. It's not a big deal. And I think a lot of people are like attached to money and they make the money mean something and the not having it, the not hitting of the goal. How do you think that you think, like, are you aware that you think differently? Let me. <laughs> I am. Okay. I am aware and only aware because people say like, really? But yes, I am aware that I think differently. Yeah. Um, Tell me about that. Tell me how you think you built that. Because anybody who's listening to this that doesn't have it, I want them to know that this isn't something that she just magically woke up with. It's like there were things that you had in your life that taught you how to think yeah. about money, about investing, and about your personal growth yeah. in a way that the average person doesn't do. Yeah. It's funny you say that because my parents, they think it's funny because they're like, we love that you have this, but you didn't learn it from us. <laughs> um, I think very often, that, uh, very early, I looked at as money as freedom and sovereignty of self is one of my biggest personal values. And, um, and money then is that freedom to be able to do what I want to do. And then, you know, being a 25 year plus meditator, um, the grounding and like nothing is wasted in God's economy and everything that flows in and flows out is for the greater good of all. And that's just sort of my personal belief system. So, you know, a $10,000 bill and a $10,000 credit or win kind of has the same energy to me. It's just in and out. It's in and out. It's high tide, low tide. It's going to flow. It's going to come back. It's going to flow just kind of the way I approach things, but it was a muscle. It was a muscle to build where like I started to have these thoughts probably, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago about like, how do you, how do you play with money differently? And then, um, just okay, wait, let me just that. repeat that. How do you play with money differently? That's good. <laughs> um, yeah. And just, you know, I think from there I just said like, okay, I can just go make more. Like when it, when it comes to making money, there's nothing within my moral and internal compass. There's nothing that I wouldn't do. It's like, all right, I'll try that. Right. So I've always had that. And I think, you know, I'll definitely give myself credit that the work that I did in corporate, which, you know, I was very highly compensated for flew into where I went into consultancy and then of course into now starting the coaching business where I have a little bit of like money flows, but I also feel like joke and say like I'm Beyonce, I'm very clear if I'm getting out of bed in the morning, what I'm getting out of bed for, right? So like I'm not on sale. I don't accept coupons. Like it's a different way of doing it because I know the value and then how the value of what will go through, how it will be transmuted for others to use the same value. Even if there's not an energetic exchange of money, there's still the currency and the value created. Yeah. I mean, and, and to translate that, it's basically like, you know, yeah, that's, a little, you know, know that's a little woo. I know that's a little woo. Like what? For this, for this corporate marketer. Yeah. That's a little woo. I get it. But yeah, sorry, you were saying to translate it. I mean, you just have, you have strong beliefs in how valuable what you sell is and how valuable you are in delivering it. That's huge. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of people don't have those beliefs. And that's often the thing that like weakens their ability to sell it's because they aren't as sold as you are. Like, no, I'm good at this. Of course they would hire me. What I'm selling is valuable. Of course they need it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a, it's, it's a, it's an interesting question. I mean, again, I, I knew that I thought about things differently. I guess I hadn't realized that it was that different, but then again, clearly it is because I'm building my own thing and I'm having, you know, success. Yeah. What do you think is the point of money? Freedom. Okay. But how will you know, like when you think about making an investment in your business, how do you think of that in terms of the bigger picture? of freedom? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it's that when I, like, I have this desire to help as many people as possible and, you know, to find ways to be of service. So if I'm investing in my business by default, that's an energetic scaling. And then if I'm scaling, I can help more. So whether that's investing in my business because I'm putting it into my brain or whether I've decided that I'm going to use this new AI technology for customer service, 
I'm not, but if, but I did investigate doing that because I am a nerd, um, you know, understanding that like that investment is, even if it doesn't pay out on a return on dollar, like pound for pound, dollar for dollar investment, there's still an investment because the return on it is what I've learned. And yeah. that, that learning to me is everything. Cause I could tell you, but until you know it or went through it yourself, you're not really going to be able to apply it in the same way. And that's one of the things is like, I could list a whole list of things, Jill, that makes you um, excellent. And like, it's, it's clear that you are going to excel because of these qualities. And that is one of them. And it's that when you invest, you aren't looking at it to have this like, okay, where's the result? Where's the result? In your brain, you already decided there was return and that it's not your business to know that you don't have to know right now what the impact was. Right. Although right. doing it is, is certainly when somebody's selling coaching, it's like, no, your job is to figure out what was the impact on myself, but you already know like this impacts me. This changes yeah. things for me. This yeah. changes the way things flow. Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I think if I look back on, you know, I have two different coaching certifications. I have other modalities of training within behavior and mindset. And like, if I was to add all those up and I know loosely what that number is, I probably have somewhere between a four and 500% return on investment. So it's not dollar in dollar out. It's the risk, the belief and being like wearing it like a loose garment. Like, let's play, let's see, you know, do as possible. Yeah. And what's that belief in? Self. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you've been through it, right? So you've been through it, you, you learn how to practice emotions and allow emotions and know that sometimes they can feel really crummy, but you can get through the other side and then you're like, okay, I can do this. And once you know that you can get through the experience, even if it's failure, it just takes away the fear doesn't mean that I don't want to vomit sometimes, but then it lasts 90 seconds. I'm like, okay, let's go. Yeah. And that belief in yourself, because who else is there? Who else am I going to believe in? <laughs> <laughs> there's nobody, I mean, maybe a pocket pal, but like, there's nobody else here. Yes. <laughs> Just me. And when I look at women who are very successful at what they do, they have this sense of belief that it's like, if it's going to happen, I'm going to create it. Because there's nobody else who can create what I want. Right. Right. And that's one of the things I see that, again, you bring into coaching. I use this analogy of like a queen. And it's like sometimes coaches act like they are the peasant in the crowd. And they're like, oh, you're the coach. You know, you're, you're the expert. You know what to do. But the people who are most successful, and Jill, this is a quality you have, is that you know you're the queen. <laughs> you know that it's up to you. And what I love about that is I think of it like King Arthur and his round table is like you're King Arthur and you're like, who's at my round table to help me build out my mind and build out my vision of where I'm going. Mm. And it's like, that's what we have to have. We have to know where we're going and we have to know that we're the queen and that nobody else can do it except us. Thank you for that. That's nice to hear. Um, I think, you know, my husband would probably agree with you on the queen part. Um, <laughs> I might, I might, you know, it, for me, it's more like magician Merlin, like still in sort of that, that space of, of owning your power. Um, I think also like what I've done over the years in constantly coming back to what it is that I want to create um, is understanding that like, it's just, it's just a thought and it can build and I can bring in other people to share it. Right. So like, if I'm not, if I'm not stretching myself big enough, then there's not going to be other people involved. So let me say that the other way. I know that I'm doing something big enough when I'm also bringing in other people. So mm. I've, um, they're freelancers, but I've also hired three people to help me with some of the technology pieces in my business. Um, not because I can't do it, but it's like, where is my time better valued? And my time is better valued in servicing my clients and using my brain to understand what my clients need. Cause 
those other people aren't in session with my clients, so they're not going to know what my clients need. Um, and that was also an investment to be able to have that. But now that I'm doing it, you know, the first month you're like, oh, okay, let's see. And now you're like, okay, it just, it, again, it's taking that, that risk. And then I also have always said to people, it's like, who's on my board of directors? And what I mean by that is those people don't need to know they're on my board of directors, but who are the people that I surround myself with? And who are the people who are also striving? So yes, I surround myself with like tons of amazing, outrageously talented coaches, but I also have a lot of people coming out of Silicon Valley, startups, like I wanna be around innovative and inspiring energy because their problem solving and their business may not directly relate, but it could spark an idea for me in which I get to be the catalyst of like, okay, how does this apply? So there's some saying about like, you're the five people you surround yourself with. And I really think it's true and it's important to um, make sure that there's diversity in that crowd, you know, make sure you have the people who are going to cheer you on and love and support you, but also make sure you have enough people who are going to stretch you in ways that, you know, I, I welcome triggers now. I mean, they still suck, but I welcome them because I'm like, oh, that's juicy. What's, what's, what's that about and how do I dig through that? But that concept of board of directors, of getting clear of what are the sort of the qualities, the values, the skills, the strengths, the people that I want around me in my circle, um, you know, has, has been super helpful too in, I guess, sort of finding other queens, right? of other areas and bringing them in. Yeah. I know one of the things you told me is that you have a vision of the business you want to build and the people that you want to help. And then you just told us about this sense of self-trust. Jill, how do you know that you can trust yourself and that that thing, that vision you have in the future, how do you know it's going to come to life? (laughs) Okay, here's some more woo. Um, I just refuse to believe that there's like an idea in my brain or a song in my heart that I don't get to fulfill. It's, it just refused. It's like, it's not, actually refusal sounds like resistance. It's not even a refusal. It's just a non-starter. Like if this, it may look different than, or may look differently than what I'm thinking about, but I know what I want to do and I am a stand for the employee. I am a stand for changing corporate culture. And it's so important to me that people understand that their thoughts are creating their results and therefore they can also impact their culture. And the only way to do that is at scale. And that's why I feel so passionate about, um, you know, I had an amazing experience in corporate. That doesn't mean that there's not an opportunity to level up. And, And that to me just feels like, it's done. Like, I, again, I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's done. Yeah. Right. The summary of that is I have no idea. I just decided. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Cause, cause I think people want some more complicated answer and it's like in everything that you said, it's like, it's just that passion. It's that I decided that's what I'm going to show up and create. And I, I mean, I agree. I think that we all have these visions, these ideas of what's possible and that they're given to us to bring to life. And I feel a sense of responsibility. Like when I have that vision in my mind, I'm like, that wasn't given to so-and-so or whatever, right? It's like, that was given to me mm-hmm. and it's mine to bring to life. And I think that's such a, like a joy. Like I get to learn and figure out how to do that, right. but without knowing ahead of time, just deciding to believe it's going to work. Right. Yeah. And I think also, um, like in the continuum of scarcity and abundance, to me, there is no scarcity because nobody is coming with my knowledge, my skills, my experience. They're coming with their knowledge, their skills, and their experience. So there's, there's like enough room for everyone. It just, I don't know. It just, it feels like it's a definitely rises, rises everyone. Like when someone succeeds, it rises everyone. And actually to that point, that's something that you've taught me because again, I come from a culture where there is no I, there's only a we. So you don't say, oh, look what I did. Celebrate me. Um, You say, look what we did. And even if one person on the team did all the work, you still say, look what the team did. Yay, everyone. And um, 
I had to rework my brain to realize that that wasn't coming from like a braggy place or a place of like, um, you know, I don't know, like being better than someone. It was coming from like, just an example of what's possible. Like I'm no better, no worse. Started around the same time as others. This is what I'm doing. It's possible for you too. Um, so sharing that um, was really weird. I was like, wait, you want to know what I made this month? That's weird. <laughs> yeah. And it's owning that. And I mean, when we got on the call, you were like, oh my gosh, I was hoping I could come and tell you I had a $20,000 day. Day. That's, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. That. But I think what's cool about that is that you have normalized that in your own mind as just like, yeah, of course I might have a $20,000 day. They just, they might all pay on the same day. Wouldn't that be so fun? Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's probably not what you would have been thinking, I don't know, six oh, months ago. I would have thought that would have been crazy. Well, I also didn't know that that would be possible in a day, period, full stop, right? And let yeah. alone that now I'm like, yeah, um, you know, and there's hours left in today, so it could still happen. <laughs> but um, there is not a... Um, you know, one of the things you said to me early on, and I guess I'm paraphrasing, is like this idea of excitement and excitement implies a little bit of a surprise and I don't ever want to be excited. Like I want to be in an inspired place or a focused place where it's an internal knowing, right? To me, it's the same thing of like the difference between appreciation and gratitude, right? Gratitude is like, I'm so thankful this happened. Again, there's the wobble. It implies a little bit of doubt. I don't, I don't buy into gratitude. I buy into appreciation because I'm appreciative mm. it's here, right? So it's, it feels the same kind of energy for me. Yeah. And do you feel a sense of control over the results you're creating? Like knowing how you've created even $20,000 in a day once that happens and knowing all the other money you've created, do you know how you did it? Do you have that sense of power, control, whatever? Um, yes. I will say like, I'm still learning. So there are days where it feels a little bit harder or it feels a little bit off, but I would say um, that's a matter of like minutes up to an hour, right? So that, that the, the strengthening the belief muscle and doing the consistent work when those moments happen and they do, right? So it's kind of like not if it happens, it's like when it happens, the the wallow in that space, that time is so much shorter, which then also makes me go, wow, there's another thing. So when I look at like how I created what I created, um, I have a trusty notebook in which every day I, ta I tackle a possibility goal. Um, so if I have a day where I feel blank or stale or I don't know what I do, I can just flip back to like a week ago or a month ago and be like, oh, and that to me has been one of the most effective tools that I've used because I can remind myself of my own thoughts. Like in the moment of feeling, you know, unsettled or maybe disappointed that something I thought was going to happen maybe didn't, um, I can just go and borrow from myself, which to me is, um, talk about sustainability, right? Like yeah. <laughs> it just becomes a way of, of uh, continuing the momentum for myself. So um, yes, I would say, at a very high percentile, like 99 percentile, I know how I created it, living a, leaving a little bit for mystery that I'm still yeah. learning. Yeah. So one of the things that I tell my clients, and I still give it away for free, is I tell them to do my daily work. Jill, do you do my daily work? Every day. It is a non-negotiable. I have a notebook in which I carry around and you know, it goes from my nightstand, it goes to my desk, wherever I am in the house, it's coming with me. Um, and why is because, you know, my ideal situation is before I, you know, get up and walk the dog, I've done my daily work. But sometimes it's not possible, right? Sometimes it just doesn't happen that way. So the, my notebook stays with me to do the daily work until I do it. And then once I do it, I put it in its resting spot until the next day. And, you know, it's, if there's one thing I would tell people is like, it's a non-negotiable. Like 
I might have a $20,000 day today. Listen to me. It's a non-negotiable, <laughs> like just do it. Right. Like I laugh at times when sometimes my clients are like, Oh, I didn't do the homework. It's like, what? I'm, I'm showing you what's possible. <laughs> yeah. Do the work. But what do you believe about it? Because I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to is like when I look at people who put building the muscle of their mind and reminding their brain what their goal is and teaching themselves how to feel. And I mean, I've made so much money doing that work and I give it to my clients and they make so much money. And then I tell people, do this work. I give it to you for free. And I'm like, Hey, don't forget to do that work. And I give it to my clients and still people don't do it. So it's like, there's a, there's something that you believe that they don't believe that drives you to say, this is a priority. Yeah. It just made me think you should have like, instead of a debt clock, you should have an Elizabeth money made with the possibility goal clock and I just know, count up how many people have, how it's changed their lives in business. Um, so what I believe is, uh, is when I look at my writing, when I started doing the work four months ago, I mean, I'm telling you, I had a lot of objections, <laughs> right? So I might have 10 objections a day of just like why it wasn't working. I will say now most days I have to really think hard because there's not a natural objection. And then I go, okay, come on, dig deeper. Right. So point is there's an objection because if there wasn't, I would have already had it. I clear on that. But the point is it's not at the surface. So I look at it as like layers of beliefs. I got to go down deep now to find the objections because I've been able to really look at so many of them and clear them out. Yeah. And I mean, the analogy I always think of is that we have that stuff that we worry about and that we, that we fear is true. And it's like people are like shoving it in the closet and hoping it goes away. And then they never get to go deeper and they never get to really explore and grow and move past their own limitation of their mind. And what you're saying is, is like, I see myself growing. I see the proof of it. And you, I mean, and this comes back to what we said a little bit ago is like, because you see the growth, you know it pays off in the end. You're not like, where's the dollar that's going to be equaled from me sitting down and doing this work? Right, right. Yeah, and I mean, I honestly feel like where I feel right now is pretty unstoppable. That doesn't mean it's happening tomorrow. It just means it's happening. And even if I didn't make money, the shift in belief and where I am now mentally is it, priceless. You can't put a price on that. Like it just, it's, you know, how do you change your life in four months or left by Elizabeth Salazar, right? Like it's just like, it's just crazy, you know, of a different way of looking at things. And, you know, side bonus, I made a lot of money doing it too. <laughs> yeah. So you made a lot of money. Tell me, what are the other differences? When you think about in four months, what has changed in you? Um, so in addition to money, my belief is so much stronger. Um, I can catch myself and sort of chuckle like, oh, my brain's just being a jerk again. Like if there's something that's kind of, you know, hardcore, um, I, am. I have less tolerance of, um, things that don't serve me. So, Whereas I think maybe there might've been some people pleasing, you know, be nice, be, you know, smart. Like I just, I'm still nice, but I don't, that's okay. No is a no. So there's also like getting clear that I don't get to build what I want if I'm servicing everybody else's wants. Um, and I don't mean my clients wants, I mean other people's opinions and, um, you know, every day I feel like I'm hit up by somebody who wants to try to sell me something. And I'm like, no, thanks. I'm not interested. Right. Um, I have less tolerance for, um, like toxicity of media. And like, I don't want, like I am building a vessel and as much as I care about what I put in my digestive system, I care what I put in my brain. So I'm really selective, um, over what I'm consuming. Um, because I want, I mean, my head's not in the sand. I'm well informed. That's not what I'm saying. It's just, I don't want, I don't want like a, something to like knock me off track. Like, you know, it can, 
you could be fine. And then suddenly you're sort of in an unsafe neighborhood and you're like, why did I just do that to myself? Let's go back to, you know, keeping it sort of pure. Um, what else is different? Um, there's an ease where um, this is fun. So um, I created my own business and recreated my corporate life and was working 70 hours. And I was like, wait a second, what am I doing? Right? So I don't want that. So being able to recreate it and getting really clear um, and what my week is going to look like when I'm taking time for myself, my family, when I'm taking time to, you know, work a little extra on a certain day because I'm, you know, creating content or, uh, you know, client scheduling, it's just easier for them. Right. So just being able to have that and having the, the, again, sovereignty of self, having that ability to say like, what do I want my thing to look like? Um, what works for me? Um, versus, you know, what somebody, how somebody else wants to run their business. Um, and I think just, you know, going back to the duck analogy in the beginning of like the legs underwater, there just is a, it's just a calmness that um, it, not only is it great from a stress and adrenal standpoint, but it's great because when I'm calm, like, my brilliance gets to pop, right? Like I'm never out of ideas when I'm calm. It's like, oh, and then, and then, and then, and then I really quickly, um, I think I mentioned this to you the other day, I really quickly look at things and go, 20% is going to be brilliant, 20% is going to suck, that's 60% in the middle, get out of the middle fast, weed it out and decide right away, it, yeah, it was a nice idea, it actually sucks, kick it over, or it's a good idea, let's go deeper. Because otherwise, all that in between undecided can bury you. And that was also like, I would keep it as a possibility. And it's like, no, <laughs> sort, sort, weed, weed it out, weed it out, weed it out so that I can stay focused on what is working for both my business and my clients and not be in sort of like that decision fatigue. Yeah. I think that formula is so brilliant. I mean, every time you say it, I'm like, wait, I didn't quite catch what is she saying? So I hear what you're saying is, there's a, you basically are putting everything in two buckets. It's either working or it's not, you're not going to keep doing it. Right. But instantly, so I call it the 20, 60, 20, right? So instantly 20% is working, you know it. Mm. And 20% isn't working, you know it. So that's 40. And what happens is everything else falls in the 60 in the center. And if you stay with that much undecided, ah. you will die. You will, you will get buried. And even if by getting buried is because your brain is spinning on it. So yes. quickly get out of the 60, take from that center bucket and just start, nope, it's a terrible idea. Ter like, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. We are going to do this. And then you're really, it's like a filter of how to look yeah. at it. And well, and you have to take some of the principles we talk about, which is like, there is no right answer. The strongest thing you can do is decide and keep going. Cause you're right. That's the middle part. That's the stuff that will paralyze us in confusion. On the simplest things, like what should my training be called, or what should my what's the perfect package, and right. those are the details that stop you from progressing and making all the money you want. Yeah, right. I mean, I think prior to implementing that, I probably have a hundred URLs, and I was like, "Girl, you gotta rein it in like crazy of all these ideas." Um, although you can sell them on the secondary market, which is quite lucrative, and I've done that recently. So we could talk about that another time. <laughs> of course. Yes. So Jill, thank you for coming on and sharing. Is there anything else as we wrap up that you want to share with the audience? Um, I said, just do the work. I mean, this mastermind has been life-changing. And if you really want to grow your business and you really want what you think you want, you've nothing to lose. Just try it. Just do it. And just do the work. It's amazing. Yeah. So Jill, I will link it up in the show notes. Tell everybody again what you do and who you help so that they know and they have that instant thought, oh my gosh, I need to go check her out or I know somebody who needs her. Who do you help and how do you help them? Yeah. So um, again, I'm Jill Griffin. I am a career and performance coach. I help people who love and hate their jobs create the results they want in their uh, careers. Um, you can go to Jill Griffin. Um, consulting or jillgriffincoaching.com. Both of them work. Of course they do because you have 500 <laughs> URLs. <laughs> have 500 URLs. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you, Jill, for coming on and I will link up where everybody can connect with her. And I hope that as you hear 
her story. You hear the places for yourself that you can grow and want to grow to create the success you want because we are all the queens and we're just figuring out how to create what we want and bring that vision to life. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for tuning into today's episode of the Strategic Mindset Podcast. Before you go, take a minute and leave a review and hit that subscribe button. (laughs) These are actually the only two ways that I have to know who's on the other end. And so if you haven't already, do those things and I'll see you next time. And I'll see you next time.